You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. I think he's going to be the crowd favorite. It's like he's like Jeff Janis, but he's accurate and bigger and faster and, and all around awesome. And can play football. That's an, that's an important one, too. That is a very important You're one. You're listening to the best Packer radio show on the internet. Cheesehead Radio. I want to be a lifetime Cheesehead. Green Bay Packer. You're looking good today. So let's go out there with that ass. Aaron Rodgers is the best football player I've ever seen, ever. Aaron Rodgers going deep on second two. He's got a leap in Devontae Adams. He's the best. Defense is going to get a lot of team struggles. We got a defense. Once again, we got a defense. Cheesehead Radio. Hello again, Cheesehead Nation. We are back with another episode of Cheesehead Radio, now in our 11th season. Your trio of hosts tonight are the animated Kelly Hodson, that Packer girl on Twitter. Also joining us is the efficacious C.D. Angeli. Tundra Vision on Twitter, and little old me, Jersey Al of Packers Talk and Cheesehead TV. You can find me at Jersey Al GBP on Twitter. That's it for the formalities. Let's get to the Packer Playbook. The Playbook. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Green Bay Packers go into their week five by 4-0. Undefeated Green Bay Packers. A great win at home against the Atlanta Falcons and Matt Ryan. What a great game. Hey, guys. Oh, it was fun to watch. It, it was, was fun to watch. Past my bedtime, but I stayed up till the end. <laughs> yes, the start time kept getting later and later, thanks to the Patriots and the Chiefs. Um, but I think most of us soldiered through all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. So the biggest concern on everyone's lips going into this game. I shouldn't say everyone. A certain subsection of the fan base was very concerned we did not draft a wide receiver in April because Devontae Adams was out again. And then we found out that Alan Lazard was also out. So we literally had no receivers and poor Aaron Rodgers was, was going to have to hand off all night long. Not the way it worked out. Yeah, I mean, we, when we've got uh, running backs who can catch the ball like Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams can, and newly found star Pro Bowl tight end Big Bob Tanyan, Hall of what's Fame. to worry about? Hall of Fame, definitely. Well, I, I was holding off on that for a little bit, but, you know, uh, we assume he'll be there, but it uh, might be a little too soon. I think he's going to be the crowd favorite. It's like he's like Jeff Janis, but he's accurate and bigger and faster. <laughs> And, and all around awesome. And can play football. That's an, that's an important one, too. That is a very important one. He, he yes. runs cleaner routes. That are, there is no doubt. But I, I definitely see his star rising in Green Bay. And who thought, heading into the season, that we had any tight end that had his stuff together, not only to catch touchdowns on a regular basis, but three in a game? <laughs> uh, I mean, we can, we can attribute that to... Uh, a lot of inexperience on the back of the uh, Atlanta secondary there. They had they, both their starting safeties were out, and then they lost their another safety during the game. And 
you know, so th there was a lot of confusion back there, uh, which I'm sure contributed to three touchdowns for Big Bob. But hey, give him, give Rogers credit, give him credit. You know, they found each other. He he catches. Hey, he's got hands. Okay, he catches the ball. That first completion to him, not the touchdown, but the very fast first pass to him on that first drive when he was kind of doing an angle angle route towards the outside. That ball was way behind him. And in full stride, he, he twists around and brings the ball in for whatever it was, a 20-yard gain or, or whatever on that first drive. And that was impressive. You know, that's that's not a catch that a lot of re wide receivers can make. And, and Big Bob did it. So that, yeah. I was impressed right off the bat. That play, not to be that big, mean girl, but I'm going to totally be that big, mean girl. That is something Jimmy Graham would have dropped or been off. This. Yeah. There's something about Tanya and he he's hungry for it and he isn't phoning it in. And he, I hope he has a chip on his shoulder because he is the favorite receiver right now. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. At least this week, we'll see what happens against the Bucks. But could no, be somebody I else. I think, you know, he's got, he's curried Rogers favorite. Rogers now trusts him and knows if the play is going to go to him, it's not going to be, Oh, is Jimmy Graham going to drop it? Or is the receiver not going to be in the right place? He runs clean routes. He's dependable. And he also gets yards after the catch, which is outstanding. No arguments do, here. Y'all do realize he was a wide receiver in college, right? Y'all? Did you move <laughs> suddenly? Or, or you're no. still live in Wisconsin, right? Yes. Oh, okay. Do you Just want his Wisconsin accent? <laughs> we could go into that, too. Y'all? Brian Caribou, man. No, he was a wide receiver. Uh, in in college, he actually started three games as a quarterback. I was going to say, I thought he was a quarterback. Yeah, yep. I knew the quarterback history. I didn't know what the wide receiver history, but yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, he yep. definitely has that 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 football IQ to be a receiver. And maybe he's the Joker type receiver we've been looking for ever since Finley got hurt. Yeah, you know, we thought we had it three times over, and we didn't. And now we've got this relative nobody that's looking like a mighty rock star right now. He could be, and you know, this is me raining ever so slightly on the parade. But really, last week we were just singing the praises of Alan Lazard because he had this great game, and then we freaked out, and then someone else stepped in and had a great game. This offense is designed to get people open, so we may have a different hero every single week. What Big Bob Tanyan's bringing are sure hands and the ability to get open, and. In this offense, this is going to put up a lot of points and a lot of yards. Agreed. So speaking of quarterbacks who are having some pretty incredible years, Aaron Charles Rogers had a pretty good quote in the Pat McAfee show. Is it McAfee? McAfee? McAfee, I think. Sure. I think. Whatever. The A.J. Hawk show. Had a, a, the A.J. Hawk <laughs> show. The A.J. Hawk smoke cigar show. There you go. The funny thing about Aaron Rodgers this year, and I think you'll both agree, he's becoming quite frank in his commentary. I mean, I, I don't think we've ever seen Aaron Rodgers quite so unguarded. I mean, this guy normally plays things very close to the vest. He's very selective in what he says. And this year, man, we're just kind of getting unfiltered Aaron Rodgers. His quote today, uh, when uh, Pat sat and talked to him a little bit and said, hey, you know, talk to us about that down year yet. You know, the 2019, that was a rough year. What's it like coming back from that hard, difficult year? Rogers looks right back at him and says, you know, man, a down year for me are career years for other quarterbacks. 
he is not wrong. And holy cow, did that room blow up. I mean, he just dropped the mic and it set the whole room on fire. Yeah, yeah he, he's very comfortable with himself this year, isn't he? But I think that's a great thing because yeah. he was vanishing into the woodwork for the past couple of years. It's like, is he past his prime? Is he washed up? What's wrong with him? Well, he's got his swagger back, and I think it's absolutely awesome. The other thing he said today was something sucks, and they're all just looking for clickbait. Well, congratulations, Aaron. You gave them some fabulous clickbait today. <laughs> absolutely. So the offense did a great job. But our defense playing against Matt Ryan on Monday night, which, by the way, had a real kick when they kicked out. He says, let's look at these two all-time great quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers and Matty Ice. And I'm kind of like, wait a minute, I don't know if I'd put those two in the same category quite yet. Matty <laughs> Snowmelt, perhaps, <laughs> not Matty Ice. <laughs> but um, the offense obviously did their job, but the defense, missing a lot of key starters as well, especially up front, really had some good plays. What are some standout moments you guys are thinking about from the play Monday night? Kelly, you want to start on that one? All right. One of them comes to mind. It was for all the marbles. I think it was fourth and all the marbles for the for uh, Atlanta. Was that the play where Amos just came out of nowhere and just swatted it down at the last second? In the end zone, yeah. In the end zone. That, that was a thing of beauty. That is what we've been missing, that ferocity. And the accuracy of, of the timing. You know, our secondary wasn't doing that last year. You see some flashes of brilliance, but that was just downright spectacular. Yeah, and I, I was thrilled to see Raven Green back out there. Um, he, I mean, he's a guy that's just involved. When he's out there, he is always around the ball. He's very good in the box. He got a sack, you know. Uh, he, he's a, a real nice addition to this defense. He got... A decent amount of snaps this week. I, I think might have been 50 or so, as opposed to last week. For some reason, he only he only played. He only got like six snaps. And I think you could see the difference in the the attitude of the defense. You know, he brings that ferocity that you were just talking about, and and all over, just all over the field and wherever the ball is, I'm going to pursue it. I don't care where I am, and uh, I, that kind of thing is contagious. It's great to have players like that out on the field. And so uh, just in general, I love seeing Raven Green back out there. And Zedarius Smith, I think, with three sacks in the game. If he's your team leader, I'm sorry, there are times, as much as we love the Smith brothers, there are times they disappear. Especially when that that offense starts rolling. And Zedarius got in there and had some pretty big plays, even a couple offsides. I mean, obviously he was being very aggressive, but... It kind of goes to what you're saying, Al. When your leaders are stepping up, other people can fill in. And, and I think that was exciting to see. Well, doesn't yeah. he lead the league in sacks right now or is tied? He's tied, yeah. Yeah, he has. And I, saw, and I saw somebody describe it because he really did vanish into the woodwork. But I forget who, who described this online, but he had three very understated sacks this week. He was there, but you didn't really see him. I'm not too worried about Z, but I'm a little concerned about Preston. If he, Talking about the Smith brothers fading into the woodwork, where has Preston been the first four games? Well, I, I tell you, I mean, they have been using him, him differently. He has been dropping back in coverage more. and But I actually did notice him this game getting more pressure. He didn't get to the quarterback, but they had him actually rushing more um, together with, with Zedarius. And 
he was putting good pressure and occupying other players, which probably helps Zedarius, you know, get to the the uh, quarterback. So I, I think he did have a, a better game today than what we've seen from him in, you know, previous games this season. You know, and that's playing without Kenny Clark again. And Kenny yeah. Clark is the type of guy who's supposed to eat up people. Right. So that the Smith brothers can go. So without Kenny Clark there and also without Rashawn Gary, um, you know, yeah, someone's got to occupy a couple guys so that someone has the freedom to get to the quarterback. So, you know, Preston's doing his job. It may not be showing up in the stat book, but uh, obviously I, I think he was doing he, he's doing what he needs to do at this point. And with the, with the Smith brothers and their reputation on the line, um, I think teams are automatically just game planning against them. So that frees up things like like green this past week. And we've seen more secondary blitzes in the first four games. than I think we saw all last season. So it's making our defense a little more unpredictable, I think. Yeah. And and they're playing more aggressively, uh, which is something that we've all wanted to, wanted to see, Um, which is, you know, it, it, you need the personnel to do that. Right. And I think they've, they've got a few additions this year uh, back there with, with Raven green, finally healthy now. Uh, Chris Barnes has been a great addition. Both of these guys have really bringing energy and aggressiveness to the defense. And, you know, as we were just talking about, it's kind of contagious. So the question comes in, is this a bend but no, don't break defense, which we're used to very much under the Dom Keepers years? It's a little different, though. It's yeah. play very solidly for much of the game. And then actually it seems to be during garbage time that the the defense does seem to fall apart. Right now, the Packers rank 26th in the league using defensive DVOA stats. Now, I'm not a big believer in DVOA, but the fact that the Packers' defense is 26th right now still has to be somewhat of a statement. But are they really? That just seems like grade deflation, so to speak. Um, Say that again? Grade deflation. We always talk about grade inflation in academics. Well, a grade deflation. 26 seems a little unnaturally low. Yeah, we they score on us. But like like CD said, a lot of it's in garbage time. I mean, we gave away a ton of, of points, like when we played the Vikings. It was all garbage. All the fourth quarter was garbage time, so who cares? Yeah, and, have- and, and that's the time when you can play like that and you can say, all right, let's just keep everything in front of us. Let them, you know, let them make those five-yard, eight-yard pass completions down the field if they like. Let the clock tick away. Our offense will just score again anyway, so we're comfortable with that. I think that's the philosophy that you get when when the Packers have a lead. I think that's how they're playing the defense. And the Packers haven't played a really bad offense, but they also haven't played a really good offense. In fact, the rankings for the teams that the offenses the Packers have played so far are the 11th-ranked offense, the 14th-ranked offense, 21st and 23rd. So, you know, we haven't played against Chicago yet, which would be obviously a bottom-rung team, but what happens when we do face off against a a Seattle or San Francisco? Or what about in two weeks or a week and a half when we take on Tom Brady? Sure, it's it's not the Patriots, and Gronk is not the Gronk of, of yesteryear, but it's still Tom Brady. All right. So let's talk a little bit about quarantine. The Tennessee Titans. Oh, my gosh. News came out today of just all of the violations, including having players 
who were in quarantine get together. I think was it at a high school? A high it was like school? a captain's practice, you know, during, like a high school captain's during practice. School kids are looking out the window of their classrooms and saying, "Who are these guys out on our football field?" That's I didn't even know it was at a. I didn't even know it was at a high school. My God! Oh my God! That's where the pictures were taken from. Were from oh, class and How bad is that? It's it's terrible, but. You know, obviously the Titans are 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 definitely under the microscope. Uh, the NFL had a meeting today, and they, all the all the teams, and they're literally saying, "Look at this picture of the Titans. Don't do this. Look at the look what the Raiders are doing. Don't do this." I mean, yeah, it's, meanwhile, it's like you've Northeast got pa- Wisconsin, except now it's the NFL. But now you've got with the Packers taking it seriously, and Aaron Rodgers is going, "But I don't want to stay here for the bye week." Do it, dude. Follow the rules. Don't get sick so we still have a season. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, he's going to do it. He, but he's allowed to say it sucks. That's all. He's just being yeah, it honest. Totally, it totally sucks. We've all right. had to but, follow these rules. And but he's going to do it. You know he will do it. And also, you don't want to be that team that got popped two weeks in a row with a big COVID outbreak. The fact that they weren't following the rules, I'm not surprised that they had another wave of players turning positive this week. Yeah. Well, maybe the players aren't uh, testing positive at this point, but there's enough people in the Give them time. Wisconsin area that the Packers have announced that they're not going to have anyone in the stands in the immediate or present future. Yeah. I mean, there's it, we're it's not, not going to happen. The game. We not just got to yeah, you just got to resign yourself to that fact that there's going to be no fans in Lambeau Field this year. That's it. The way things are going in Wisconsin and the way a lot of people are, are not willing to to follow the rules, it's just not going to happen, unfortunately. Meanwhile, in Florida, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, has given the all clear for 65,000 fans to attend the next Miami Dolphins game, to which the Miami Dolphins said no. <laughs> Good yeah, was he nuts? Oh. Yeah, he, he also allowed all restaurants open at full capacity restaurants and bars and you know just acting like there's no problem i mean what's worse than a super spreader event a super super spreader event Sixty-five thousand people all in one place oh yeah guys i'll keep your masks on for three hours let's see how well that goes <clears throat> all right well moving on al yes that's me it's not me i'll let you introduce <laughs> the next topic because i didn't know which way you were going with it. oh okay Devontae Adams and Kenny Clark, right? Yes. So I wrote, I'll intro this after. Yes, I know. Well, give me a chance. I was just pausing there. (laughs) He's gathering his thoughts. I was just collecting my thoughts. Chill out. Basically trying to remember what I wanted to say. I bet you guys (laughs) are so conditioned because I introduce all the topics and you guys can I know. Go ahead, Al. You introduce it. What? 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 It's like we have to wake up all of a sudden. All <laughs> right, like so, he's like Bill O'Reilly. It's like, screw it, we're going live. So we were all really disappointed, right, that neither one of them played this game. Certainly Devontae Adams showed his disappointment, right, with uh, tweeting oh, out yeah. that with the sarcastic, well, sorry you won't see me. I guess other people know my body better than me tweet. And then he quickly deleted it, of course. But So obviously the guys were – were um, disappointed about that. But really, we talked about it here a couple of shows ago, knowing the Packers, right? We both said, we, I think we all agreed what they were going to do is just wait till after the bye. You know, just keep them out. At that time, I, I think there were still two games to play before the bye. Keep them out those two games. 
let them get the extra week of the bye and then bring them back. That's just the Packers way. That's just the way, you know, they handle injuries. So there surely should be no surprise to anybody. Now, as they, when they come back for Tampa Bay, they'll both be 100% healthy and ready to go. And really, you know, they didn't lose anything. They're still 4-0. So I'm all in favor of them continuing to do things the way they do in that regard. Yeah, I wasn't surprised in the least that they were both held back. I think they're on the cusp of returning. And that extra week of rehab, I think, will do them a world of good. And when it comes to Adams being held out, maybe they got a little more cautious. And if they were thinking about playing him, they really decided not to after Lazard went on IR. Because I, Lazard, I'm guessing, is probably going to be out four to six weeks. They never really said what it was other than he, it was core and that he needed possibly surgery, which to me sounds like a sports hernia, which would be about a four to six week return. I think well, I, funny. I think that would be a good result if it was four to six weeks. I'm kind of worried I'm, that it'll be more than that. Okay, six to eight maybe but yeah i don't think we can count on him until the second half of the season if that so if anything that made them a little more cautious with adams and in the end and i think i even said this last week i said you sit these guys out what's the worst that's going to happen you're going to be three and one two and oh in the division and in first place in the division and in the end but what happened we still sat da, da, da. down and we're still two and oh in the division we're still in first place in the division and we're four and oh so next man up, and the Packers have done it this year. And I think we were equipped to do it because we had the tight ends that are ready to go as receivers, and Rodgers is definitely utilizing the running backs more in receiving plays as opposed to just handing the ball and you know, run east-west and then try to cut down. All right, Al. Yes, okay. So we talked a little bit about um, – we, we, we discussed um, – Big Bob Tanyan, right? The big star on on the offense. We talked about Zadarius Smith, big impact player, star on the defense. But there, you know, there are other players who I think had real impact on this game, and they're basically or kind of new additions this this year. Uh, if you take into effect into account that one wasn't on the team and one was out with an injury all last year. And those were Chris Barnes and Raven Green. So I'll start first with Chris Barnes. This guy had it's just an, un, I mean, well, let me backtrack a little bit. We've been chasing undrafted linebackers forever, right, uh, with the Green Bay Packers. Since Ted Thompson started, every year it was a different undrafted linebacker that was going to be the next big thing. Uh, Zombo, Soto, the whole laundry list of guys. And they all fizzled out, right? I think they finally have one here with Chris Barnes. I watched the game again, and I've kind of when on the Packers were on defense, I focused more on on him. And this kid was all over the place. I mean, he was doing everything—not just one good thing, everything you would ask of a linebacker, right? He was shedding blockers to make tackles at the line of scrimmage. There's something new for the Packers. He blitzed and created pressure. He was chasing down ball carriers sideline to sideline. He was dropping into coverage. He tipped a pass. He was doing everything. The the effort level and how well he did all these different things that a linebacker has to do was incredible. And on top of all of that, the Packers made him the signal caller for this game when he was in the game. This is a kid that was undrafted. Nobody knew about. I'm just beyond 
pleased with how this has turned out. Everybody kind of raised their eyebrows when he made the roster. Chris Barnes, Chris, who the hell is Chris Barnes? They let this, they let Tim Williams go. He was supposed to be the next big guy. They let someone else go. Well, Chris Barnes, let me tell you, I, I think he's he's the real deal. Did you guys notice what I noticed? What's yeah, that? in fact, it took me a little bit to say, who is that? And then I'm like, oh, it's Chris Barnes. Did you have to check the Packers roster? Like the I, number actually, and- I actually <laughs> did. I, I'll be honest. But I'm like, this kid's going places fast. Yeah, and, uh, But I think he nailed it on the head. I can think of every happily mediocre linebacker that we've had that goes back to like 2010. Right? And we make and it's a big like, deal about them every and, every But they camp, never do right? anything. It's like, exactly. oh, we have A.J. Hawk and we'll settle for whoever's next to him. And it's been like that forever. But now I think, and maybe this is because we didn't get to see his camp, but obviously he did something in camp to impress the coaches and saw exactly. this type of, he's a go-getter. And I, I feel embarrassed that I didn't really r- recognize who it was on the field at first. But yeah, he's going to go places. Yeah, if you, if you look up, I don't know if you guys saw it, Ben Fennel, Ben Fennel on Twitter. He highlighted this one play. That it's actually the play where where Barnes tipped a pass, right? So he makes a real nice play to tip the pass. But if you look at what happened before you get to that point, we have never seen a Packers inside linebacker for the last decade or so do what this kid did. Okay, it was a play action pass, right? So Atlanta fakes the handoff, Barnes. Fills a hole on the line of scrimmage. Okay, he know he realizes it's play action. It's not a run. What does he do? Does he just like get lost in the line of scrimmage? He turns and wheels and starts racing into the secondary. He sees the receiver doing a, a little crossing route. He goes, all right, let me get in that lane. Then he gets his head around and sees the ball and tips the ball. I mean, look up Ben Fennel on Twitter. And just look at his highlight of this play. It, it's just, it's just incredible what he did. Uh, I, I hate to, to sound so effusive about a guy who's played two games or so <laughs> for the Packers, but I am really hopeful on, on this guy. Kelly, I think Al's in love. I think he is. Oh, I'm in love with a bunch of people this week. You'll see. He was There's not more in love with Mason Crosby this week. I can tell you that right now. It's like, no, don't say it. I didn't say Al, anything. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. I didn't say a thing. And I wouldn't. But I know you were thinking it. No, I was not. See, this is where you are wrong. And at some point, you know, you talk about narratives. At some point, you're going to have to drop this <laughs> narrative because that was a long, long, long time ago. And a lot has changed since then. So I do not cringe now. Uh, at anything that Mason Crosby does. I have great respect for the guy now. So next was Raven Green. For whatever reason, he only got six snaps the previous week, a a game that I was hoping like heck that he would be back in, but he didn't. Well, this this time around, uh, he did much better. The Packers were much more interested in seeing him play, and I think it turned out very nicely. He got 50 snaps this week. And he was very disruptive. I mean, very disruptive in the box. He was all over the field, chasing down receivers. Uh, he got the one sack, uh, as, as we know. And the side effect of this, I think, was with him on the field and three safeties, and sometimes they even had four safeties. They had Redmond and him on the field together with Amos and, and Savage. It freed up. Amos to be more of a free safety type, okay, and kind of like roam around there. And he made more plays on the ball in this game 
Amos did than he had the entire three previous games. So I think Green's presence had a positive effect on Amos as well, and I sure hope that they keep up with with using uh, Green in there as a as a third safety or a hybrid linebacker or however they want to use him. So that was just another thing that impressed me. And weren't we just saying like a week ago, where are safeties? They were kind of vanishing into the woodwork. Well, they kind of announced themselves with some authority this week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had, they were playing four safeties at some point, you know, when guys went down, uh, when uh, Chandon Sullivan went down uh, initially, they didn't replace him with a, with a uh, quarterback. They brought in uh, Will Redmond and, and Raven Green was still playing. And then when, um, when Kevin King went down, that's when they brought in Josh Jackson to, to play cornerback uh, until he started playing pretty poorly. And then they brought in Kadar Hol- Holman for like the last 10 snaps or so. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's no secret that Pettin likes his defensive backs and specifically his safeties. And he made full use of them this game. And, you know, Patton got a lot of flack I saw online from the belly acres saying there was even calls to fire him because we always give the a little bit of a cushion to the, the opposing team in garbage time. But one thing that really stands out from him versus previous regimes, Dom Capers, I'm looking at you, is he isn't set on one scheme. Who thought we'd play with four safeties? He's doing things that are innovative, for the Packers at least, and it keeps opposing offenses on their toes because it isn't the same set. Like when Capers would play, I can tell you it'd be a lone high safety and sometimes it would work. Most of the time it would not right now. We're a little more unpredictable, especially in the secondary and which I think is wonderful. Yeah. Uh, I I don't give Petten a quarter of as much of grief as most people do. I think he's, he's playing the hand that he has and I think he's doing a decent job. I mean, you know, the, the defensive line, especially without Kenny Clark in there, are not it's not a really strong defensive line, right? So, you know, you gotta play where your strength is and, and his strengths are, are really in the secondary and that's the way he's playing. Yeah, that means you're gonna give up short passes and you're gonna give up completions, but you know, if it takes a team twenty plays to go downfield and, and get three points, well, I think you've really done a pretty good job, right? Instead of complaining that, oh, we couldn't get off the field or whatnot, which you heard most people saying. But they I mean, ate a ton of clock, which was, yeah. was was a strategy in itself. And when, you know, when, the, when you're ahead and the team behind you is wasting clock on themselves, that's always a good thing, right? Speaking so. of the defensive line, I saw earlier that Snacks Harrison, is that his name, was going to be visiting Seattle. <laughs> Wasn't he supposed to be in Green Bay today? Did that actually no, happen or not? That was, no. a, that was a complete and total ruse. What that was, was a negotiation. With right? Seattle. With Seattle. That was like... I'm going to Seattle first. You know, hey, Seattle, I'm going to Green Bay tomorrow. You know, you, you better do something or I'm going to Green Bay tomorrow. Well, he signed with Seattle today, Kelly. Uh, However, here's the kicker. He got signed to their practice squad. <laughs> You're he kidding signed me. <laughs> to the Seattle practice. He'd rather go to the Seattle practice squad than come in and be a rotational starter for the Green Bay Packers. So, in essence, he signed so, for chump change. He wasn't so negotiating we, anything. Do we want him? No. No. Do you know no. what other great player is sitting on Seattle's practice squad right now? 
Demarius Randall. Yes, he is. <laughs> Don't want him either. Don't Good want guys. him either. So long. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> Talk about, about a giant sack of drama. They can have him. No kidding. He fits. He fits over there. That's one of those. When I have Twitter, I'll have the very strong. Nope, nope, nope. Move along. Nothing to see. Go, go away. <laughs> now, far be it from Packer fans to always place uh, an incredible incredible amount of optimism on virtually any player who could be available or is cut or might be available in trade. No, we never uh, do that. No, Peter yeah. Bukowski actually was trying to make a fairly decent case today for JJ Watt possibly coming to home, coming to the Packers. Uh, it's interesting because the story coming out of Houston as Bill O'Brien was uh, recently fired as GM and head coach, sounds to me like there had been some simmering uh, situations with the players for some time, but apparently there was an out-and-out fight between J.J. Watt and his coach during practice last week in which Watt was very critical of his coaching decisions. Uh, That set up, I guess, some very bad blood in the locker room with uh, O'Brien, and then, of course, he was canned. So now that the uh, Texans are 0-4 and, and going nowhere, is there any hope that maybe J.J. Watt could come home? Chances are very low, but even Peter Bukowski was like, eh, there's always money at the banana, banana stand. We could probably figure it out somehow. You'd have to tell pay cut. Why would you used to do that? Well, I'm an insufferable homer. He's like, and... he's like the face of their franchise. Why would they do that? Because we're Packer fans, Al. I'm an insufferable homer. I would not turn him down if he said, hey, I want to play for you guys. Let's make it work. You're avoiding the question, though. Why would Houston do that? Because he's a huge injury magnet. Let's just cut to the chase, shall we? Injuries, and if they can sneak a first-rounder out of a a dumb team willing to give it up, they they can start rebuilding. Except the Packers aren't a dumb team. They're not going to be like, hey, have all of our draft picks and our our salary cap and welcome here. But yeah, I would love him if he was a bargain basement prize. But yeah, he is an injury magnet. He um, tends to get, hit, get hurt and then he's out for the entire How many times has that happened? Two at least. And he's actually tradable. Um, if you look at his contract, there is no cap acceleration. He's under contract for this year and next season and it's all just pure base salary. There is no signing bonus acceleration. So if Houston were to trade him, they don't eat anything. I'm an insufferable homer. It would not say no because I'm just a sucker that way. He's a good scanny boy. It's got nothing to do with saying yes or saying no from your standpoint. It's why would the Houston <laughs> why, why would the Houston Texans do that? They wouldn't. Period. Honestly, if he's going to go anywhere he'll go to the Steelers and play with his brothers let's he's be honest about it all going anywhere he's not going anywhere Kelly is willing to bet you $50 right now that they will Wait, trade what? The deadline. Wait, what? okay I will take that bet Thanks, yeah, well, Kelly. you heard it right here <laughs> Kelly and Al $50 right now right. it's coming from CD's bank account but okay <laughs> so finally uh, before we head into our next segment uh, Packers transplants over at Cheesehead TV, Nagler, Benke, uh, apparently getting a, a higher caliber of guests. Uh, yeah, Netflix things are looking show. up. Uh, who they get on the show today, Al? They got the coach of the Green Bay Packers. Mike McCarthy. No. Who was it again? No. Mike McCarthy Shut has up. never been on Packers transplants. <laughs> and they probably don't want him on Packers transplant anytime soon. No, However, no. the sweet schadenfreude of him losing again was delicious. But 
Coach LaFleur came on and talked to the boys for a good 20 minutes. I mean, and, you know, some of the questions were silly. Some of the questions were serious. But we got lots lots of uh, honest answers and reactions from, from at LaFleur. And it was just glorious to see him willing to do something like that for a bunch of fans, basically. You know, it was just fantastic. So kudos to Coach LaFleur. There's an excitement, you know. I mean, we've been doing this show for a long time. I mean, a long time. 2010, back when we were both young stallions back in the day. And we remember the sort of battle there was between, say, the media and the bloggers. You know, there was that jealousy because we were providing free content. And a lot of the media people didn't like that. Jason Wildey was actually uh, someone that we kind of went toe-to-toe with a couple times on uh, the bloggers. And uh, Nagler, in, in particular, was a guy who often cited this need for validation of these fan blog sites that, you know, he said for years he wanted to be credentialed, wanted to uh, be able to do the same type of reporting that the media could. And it's just interesting to see how this blogosphere, this podcast world, these video podcasts have grown from those early days to where we're watching players go on brand new pop-up podcast that just started this summer and Matt LaFleur going on She Said TV. I mean, this is just an incredible evolution that we've seen over the last 10, 12 years. Well, it definitely proves that, that fans ourselves included are looking at different avenues to explore for, for football content. Yeah. I, I, you know, 2010, I finally discovered in my, my own naivete and, and late to the end game discovered Packer fandom on Twitter. Welcome. Yeah. Sorry about that, but anyway. <laughs> but but within six it's too months, too late I, now to go back. But it didn't take long because within six months, I was like, <laughs> I want to write like that, and I was writing for a while, and then life got busy, and now I'm potting with my buddies here. Well, speaking of potting with your buddies, I think it's time for us to get to our hot pockets. All right, we've reached the point in the show where each of us get one final moment to get up on our soapbox and read you all the riot act of whatever is going on inside our head. This is our Hot Pockets. Jersey Al Bracco, we will start with you. Matt LaFleur, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. This year, it's four. Four ways, as in four different game plans for four different opponents. The days of seeing the same offense with the same scheme and plays roll down onto the field every week are over. The days of four verts are over. The days of telling receivers to just go get open are over. Week one, it was the introduction to the jet sweep and just let Devontae catch everything. Week two, it was the Aaron Jones show. Week three, Alan Lazard was featured and the tight end started to get some run. Week four, it was all running backs and tight ends. What will it be in two weeks against the Bucks? I have no idea. And that's what excites me. In LaFour's presser, he answered a question from ex-cheesehead tv I can't say that, Andy Herman, about his vision for the offense with a straightforward, I think the vision changes on a week-to-week basis. 
to borrow from another line from that poem with reference to the offense, I love thee with a love I seem to lose. Well, the love is back, baby. And that is my... It was a small moment, but an important one nonetheless. Aaron Rodgers launches a patented back shoulder throw to Marquez Valdez-Scantling in the end zone, which he ended up dropping. Grr, people say, you got to control your body better, MVS. But in actuality, he did a little more than that. With the ball up in the air, MVS twisted his body around and got a hand on it. But where was his other arm? It was stretched out over the shoulder pad of defensive back Kendall Sheffield, almost as if it were hooked. But it wasn't. For some odd reason, MBS gave up an arm in the hopes of drawing an interference penalty, which was what, which was by every account the same pass that Aaron Rodgers had mastered with Jordy Nelson for years and years. It was perfectly placed. It's a young player's mistake for sure. But as we start looking at the remaining three quarters of the season, it's important that Aaron Rodgers' receiving core is as disciplined and efficient as the quarterback. MBS isn't a rookie anymore, and he needs to avoid these types of silly mental mistakes and just catch the damn ball. This is not a play we want to see messed up in January, right? And that is my... He's old and past his prime, they said. He has the ego the size of Montana, they said. He's impossible to coach, and it was only a matter of time before he demands his own locker room like Farvin goes full-on prima donna. Blah, 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 clickbait, whatever, media had a field day with. Two years ago, I would have believed it. At the end of the McCarthy era, Aaron Rodgers looked burned out and was all but phoning it in. He certainly didn't look like a guy hungry for a second Super Bowl ring. The offense was stale, and A-Rod was playing nothing more than a glorified game of 500. And we all thought he was done when they drafted Jordan Love. Stick a fork in him, old man Rodgers was past tense. Boy, were we wrong. Whatever he did in the offseason worked. The Aaron Rodgers we are seeing reminds me of the kid with a chip on his shoulder with everything to prove in 2010. A year into the Lafleur offense, and Aaron has embraced it with every fiber of his being. He trusts his receivers and tight ends. He isn't running for his life. And he certainly doesn't lead the team in rushing yards because the stale, stale aerial offense was all too predictable. To quote the Princess Bride, never get in a land war with Asia. And never go up against the kid from Chico when there's a Super Bowl on the line. Aaron Rodgers has got his groove back, and I pity the defense that thinks they can stop him. And that is my... Thank you so much for joining us tonight on Cheesehead Radio in our 11th season. Make sure to head over to PackersTalk.com where you can explore several unique Packers podcasts. Please follow at PackersTalkNet on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Cheesehead Radio and all Packers podcasts are available on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcatching app. You can also find us with Siri, Alexa, or Google just by saying, play Packers Talk Podcast. That's a wrap. Go Pack Up. Cheesehead Radio. 